Hey there, this is Jim Wills, and you're listening to the Crave Podcast, where we feed your soul with art. If we're doing it right, music is the soundtrack to our lives. If you believe in yourself, we'll believe in you. Finding success with music, I think it takes a lot of focus. It takes a lot of sacrifice. The sole secret to success in the art world is to keep making art. Live the moment and go on vacation as much as possible because you never know when the work's coming. Okay, this week on the podcast, uh, I am very pleased to have a guest. She's originally from Argentina. She's born and raised in Argentina as an artist and has actually done some residency here in the United States. But we met her, I met her in, or I met her work in Madrid at a gallery, the APA Gallery in Madrid, um, was walking by and saw the artwork and had to go in. It was pretty amazing. So we'll talk about that. Uh, but I'm here to welcome Elisa Insua to the podcast. Welcome and thank you so much for being on. Thank you. Hello. Hello. I usually start off the podcast with a quote or with an inspiration, something that inspires people. And it doesn't have to be a quote. It could be another artist or a piece of art or just something that has inspired you in your work throughout uh, your development. So what kind of inspiration do you have? Well, I have many sources of inspiration, but one image that I would show is the boxer. Um, what's the name of the Las Vegas-based um, boxer? I don't Floyd know. Mayweather. Mayweather. And you usually look at Floyd May- Mayweather's Instagram account and see all his bling and all his ostentation and all his lifestyles and his okay. what, what he writes and I think that's pretty interesting and mind-blowing and weird and dark but bright at the same time so one of my big sources of inspiration is like the hip-hop and rap, rap aesthetic yeah. and that's a bit what uh, the boxing aesthetic is also about and also I mix a lot of themes about economics uh-huh. Because I studied economics and business uh, as a bachelor's degree, so I take a lot of themes from that. But yeah, mainly the image that I would start with is one post of Floyd Mayweather's Instagram that's all his golden chains, <laughs> and that I screenshotted that, and I u- usually go back to that. And that's an inspiration for the art that you're creating, right? Not as an inspiration of you're trying to achieve all of that bling? <laughs> <laughs> really, you know. <laughs> because so let's get into your art because the art piece that you did in or the art exhibition that you did in Madrid that just finished and then looking back through your portfolio online your work has a particular theme around it and your style is a, is currently within that theme and it I think it really goes back to what you're just talking about with the bling and the gold and the extravagance. Yeah. So why don't we why don't we talk about how you became an artist how you got to that point? Uh, you mentioned briefly that you studied economics. So you didn't even study to become an artist, is that correct? Yeah, I didn't study fine arts or anything like that. Uh, I I had always liked art and I started creating art at the age of 16, but mainly okay. like for myself as a hobby with, none, with no pretension of becoming an artist, from living from it, from uh, selling my work or whatever. I just did it for myself and I started working with things that I found at home. And then when I finished uh, school, I decided to, well, I, ha- I, I, I want to study something. And 
I wasn't sure what to do. So I, at one point I, I said like, okay, I'm going to study economics and business and it's going to be useful for whatever I want to do. If I want to have an art gallery or if I, if I want to have a line of toys or whatever, it's going right. to be helpful. So that's what I did. And while I was studying, I kept on doing my work for myself, but I, I started building bridges between the economic theory that I was studying and then with my art practice and how all the like the meaning of all the objects that I was working with, all mm -hmm. that discarded material accumulated together, what it said about how we lived, our society, our economic system, waste, and what that economic system says about us as human beings. So I started getting into, into the, these themes and I started like uh, getting deeper into those themes and reading a lot about it. And gradually I started professionalizing my practice uh, I started taking art courses and reading more and going to more exhibitions and like starting to get my work out there because at first mm -hmm. I was doing it for myself and then I started sharing it with the public and the response was really good. So that was very helpful. So eventually when I finished economics and business, I was just like, okay, I'm done with this. <laughs> I'm going to focus now on my art. So from 2012 onwards, I've been focusing uh, full time on my on my work and everything started going like growing very organically and very naturally so I started getting more like visibility in Argentina and South America generally and started getting exhibitions and commissions and the first sales started to happen so I started I moved to a small studio then to a little a bigger one and I ended up the last exhibitions in in Buenos Aires were Arteba, which is like the biggest art fair there, uh, and very like important things. And at one point I said, okay, I need a change. I need new air. I need uh, to exper experiment a new, a new place. So I decided to move to Europe. And here I am in Spain. I've been here for a year. And for the last year, I've been working on this exhibition for Apple Gallery. This is the one that you saw. And now I'm working on some new projects now in September I have another exhibition here in Madrid and also in Caracas in Venezuela and then in October I'm exhibiting in London in a fair called the other art fair that is organized by Sachi and in the end of the year it's Paris so uh, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna be all over yeah so uh, let's back up a little bit you <laughs> you went to university you went to university to study economics and business already having a love for art and starting to create art, but not really working as a, an artist. Mm -hmm. Was that your desire when you went to school, when you were in university? Were you like, I want to be an artist or not yet? Not really. I knew that I liked to, to do it and create it, but I didn't know if it was the lifestyle that I wanted to have. I knew that I liked drawing, I liked painting, I liked doing collage. I was attracted to it, but I was also attracted to all the design and all the art. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I thought I, I I could have a gallery one day and I would like to be surrounded by art, but I wasn't sure, to be okay. honest. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, you said you became full-time in 2012 as an artist or you started to embrace the art in, around 2012. What was that yeah. transition from, okay, I'm, I, I really love this kind of stuff that I'm working on and, and it seems to be popular too, okay, I'm going to be a full-time artist. This is my career now. How, what was that transition? That was very a very hard transition, uh, painful. But uh, painful? When, <laughs> when I when I when I graduated from university, I started working briefly at a um, at a startup that was a crowdfunding platform like Kickstarter, but for okay. Latin American projects. 
that was really good because I was working with creative people that wanted to do music albums, to do books, to do products, to do art exhibitions, and to finance them on this website. So that was really interesting. But at the same time, my art was gaining momentum, and I started getting a lot of work and commission and everything. So I had really two jobs, and I was a bit going crazy. Like, my social life had gone out of the window, <laughs> and I was going a bit crazy. So what I said to myself was, like, okay, I'm going to quit this job, and I'm going to try for six months to live as an artist and see how it goes. So, like, okay. if I can survive, if I like the lifestyle, if I don't go crazy... If inspiration doesn't go out, doesn't flow flow away, so it was a test, and I put myself like a like a limited time, okay, because uh, it was too get too scary to say like okay, this is gonna be my life from 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 now on. Right. So that test at first it was a bit hard. Um, the lonely lon- loneliness part was a bit hard for me because I was used to working and being all the time with people, uh-huh. and then the studio life was a bit hard. But then I moved to a studio with other artists, so that part was solved. And then everything started to to fall into place, and opportunities started to come. So after the six months, I was like, okay, let, let's renew the contract. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So did you have money saved? Like, basically, in America, there's this whole concept of the starving artist, which... Mm-hmm. which Everywhere. Some people, some people embrace, and some people don't embrace. And and I'm very interested in this podcast. Is very interested in the artist who becomes successful and who can make a living as an artist. And so you said you had you took a six months like personal contract of I'm going to try this for six months and see how it goes. Had you saved money for six months so that you could not have to work another job as an artist, or or like how did how did you how did you afford to live during that time? I had a little bit of savings, but I was I was very young, so I wasn't very scared. So I didn't okay. have uh, everything sorted out. I just like flew into it and said, "Okay, let, let's try." Okay. I I've always been um, a bit austere. Uh, I don't I don't spend a lot, so all the income that I had from sales and from whatever, I made it last a lot. So and I invested it all on my on my work, on my materials, on my studio, and everything. So it wasn't it wasn't hard. And was, you're from Buenos Aires, correct? Yeah. You didn't mention that at the beginning, or maybe I maybe yeah. I passed over that. But I wanted to make sure that the listeners know you're from Buenos Aires. And then my question is, does Buenos Aires have uh, a huge support for the arts? Well, in Buenos Aires, there's other priorities for, for example, government or companies. So uh-huh. there's still um, hunger and poverty over yeah. there. So artists are not a priority. And the market is small okay. uh, compared to other countries. But I still think that for me, I was, I've been always very grateful with my country because I've been given a lot of opportunities and everything was going really well in there. Uh, so I, I have nothing bad to say about it. Sure, uh, I sure, sure. The, the scene is really, really, really interesting. There's many artists, many things going on. You lift up a rock and you see a gallery under there or a cultural center or whatever. <laughs> sure. So sure. it's 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 really really interesting, but there's not a lot of money for it uh, okay. or support. So many things are like self-managed and everything. Uh, Argentinians always find a way to make things happen without a budget. So <laughs> it's <really> interesting. <laughs> and so to put your art into context with the people listening, because we. We'll have pictures on our on our, on the page for your art, but 
what struck me and what caught my attention was the shiny objects. And when I look through your art, the, the, through your website and through your portfolio, that sort of seems to be a theme that runs throughout. Like you started with found shiny objects and started gluing them on other things and sort of created this theme around what you talked about early on with, with the inspiration is this whole idea of materialism. Is that correct? We're kind of, now we're getting into sort of the philosophy of your art, which I really love because the, the ex exhibition that you had in Madrid took us on a journey through materialism. And, and, and I really liked the pieces. What I found interesting was that you had chosen American board games as your theme throughout there, Monopoly, Life, and Trivial Pursuit and whatnot. And uh, Natalia, the gallery owner, she said she wasn't even familiar with all of the games that you had created. <laughs> and so you chose a very specific, I, I feel like a very specific American theme or, or platform or, or canvas, if you will, to create that art around it. What was the reason behind that? Well, I, I guess when you speak about capitalism, America is the most perfect example. So okay. I've, I've worked with the Statue of Liberty, like very many, or the $1 bill, like very American icons. And it's basically because of that. It's, it's, it's a, the typical, um, the stereotypical, canonical example of the capitalistic system in its most pure <laughs> form. Right. Also, on the other hand, I grew up during the 90s in Argentina. And during okay. that period, Argentina was very open to American culture. So we we had a like a like a flow of American movies and even we had Blockbuster, we had all your candies, all your okay. all your music and everything. So so it uh for me it was very it, it it was a very strong influence on me. So that's uh also why I'm very associated with it. Okay. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. You have this whole series of money that you did? Yeah. Currency? <laughs> And yeah. uh, not just the not just American currency, but you, you use Chinese, and there's a few others that I remember seeing in there that you would use to took the piece and you uh, added these found objects on it to to create the imagery. Talk about that series a little bit, if you will. Yeah, that for me was one of my favorite series because the the message was very very clear and very simple. The the, the first one I did of of those series was obviously the American dollar, the one dollar bill. Mm -hmm. And then did uh, with all the consumption waste materials, uh, talking about like how the American econo uh, economy is the largest in the world, and all the the things that we buy and we throw away, and all those cycles are very interesting to me. And also all the stories of those objects, like the, each piece has a very strong emotional charge, because sure. every single object has a story and had was made somewhere, designed somewhere, sold somewhere, bought by someone, taking, maybe it was a gift, maybe it was a, something for itself, maybe it was stored in a drawer for years, and for some reason it ended up on one of my pieces. So all those things are really interesting. I, I find them really interesting. Then I did the, um, the Chinese uh, bill. I had been traveling for two months in China, okay. and I was based at the huge amounts of plastic small objects that they sell everywhere. So I decided mm -hmm. to make that made in China bill to like the threat of the um, uh, American podium on the on the one world economics. Then I did another bill of uh, Qatar. Uh, uh -huh. It's an ancient bill of Qatar and Qatar has the highest 
GDP per, per capita uh, in the world. So okay. I decided to portray that and I did it with black objects, plastic objects representing uh, petrol oil and then all golden objects representing like all the wealth and opulence and then I added a lot of bullets also representing that western prejudice against the Arab countries so uh, that that was an interesting series uh, on the pound British pound yeah on the on the Qatar bill uh, yeah it's all black it's two colors black and gold did, were all the black objects black, or did you paint them black? They were black. I usually used all the original colors of the objects. So to put it in a little bit more context, yeah. the design of the bill was created by objects that you found and then glued on to your canvas or your wood panel mm -hmm. in the shape to create the shape of the bill of the different characters on the bill and the words on the bill and whatnot. And we'll have those pictures on our website. But where do you find those objects from? Well, for the last 10 years, I've been working with donations in Argentina. Uh, okay. I had around 300 donors of people who put in a bag, uh, like had the, the three trash bags in the house, recycle, non-recycle, and then Elisa. So when, <laughs> <laughs> when they finished um, a mascara or a chapstick or whatever, they threw the case in there or okay. the cap bottles or whatever. And they would regularly bring them to my studio. Oh, wow. So I huge amounts of material that I've been working with and when I moved to Madrid it was a um, because I, I've been living in Madrid for, for the last year and it was a big question like how am I going to do to find material here because I don't know people and people don't yeah. know me so how yeah. am I going to gather that material so the first thing I did was to rent a studio and when I when I rented the studio I found that two blocks away there was a like a junkyard where they they buy discarded metal objects, so they mm -hmm. have keys and jewelry and keychains and all those things that they buy for weight, like super, super cheap, mm -hmm. and they buy them to, um, to melt them down. Right, to, to get the mineral, raw mineral, metal. raw materials, yeah. So I started getting my material from there. So that's what I've been, in, in this Spanish show, you could see a lot of metal, and that's, yeah. that's the reason why. It, it, and it's, it was very inspiring for me. I, I love I love metal and what it has to do and what it's been associated with during the last centuries, especially yeah. gold. Well, and what it means and what it, and what it makes to people and what it's been sure. associated with, all the sacred side to it and how it's been used to portray power throughout cultures during thousands and thousands of years and how it doesn't corrode and how, I don't know, I, I find it a fascinating mineral. <laughs> well, and let's, Go back to your your Floyd Mayweather inspiration of the gold and the bling, and and which ties in, I think, to the exhibition that you had uh, that just closed. You talked about capitalism in America, and in the U.S. we had, and um, it's well documented that in the U.S. we believe that achieving success is by achieving materialistic goals, which is proven to be not true in many 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 ways in many areas of the world. And so I think you reflected that in your art in this piece. And that was kind of the whole idea of this exhibition that you had of the materialism of the world and how that doesn't actually achieve happiness or peace or nirvana or whatever kind of attachment you want to put to that. However, that said, I saw the Monopoly board and I was like, oh my God, it's beautiful. A beautiful piece of art. Yet it was all of this metallic objects and coins and keys and stuff that was like all the trappings of materialism 
on a Monopoly board, which is a game purely about materialism. And so there's this, like, it was a big, huge mind frick for the whole thing of like, what? And the, like, I'm appreciating it. Plus, then you're, sell, then you're selling it for value because you're an artist and it's a piece of art. When it really, it's just a bunch of junk. <laughs> you know what I mean? That you now took and created into a piece of art, which is, goes back to the whole materialism of we in America strive for success and happiness through material things. So I found that to be so conflicting because I loved it. And it's a crazy, it's hard to really wrap your brain around what you're trying to say there. Exactly. <laughs> I think, and, and, and I like that. I don't like work to be like a very simple sentence that I like, okay, I, I understood it. I like it. I like that a work of art makes you think, makes you question things. Uh, why do I like this? Why don't I like this? What does, what does it say about me? Blah, blah, blah. And yeah. also, I, all these pieces are bittersweet in a way because I'm criticizing something, but I'm also showing the beauty of these objects yeah, and what they sure. all mean for us. Because all those small objects that did have a meaning, maybe they were gifts, maybe they were souvenirs, maybe they were whatever, but they did add some instant moments of happiness maybe or joy or love or whatever i i don't want to be like too um too obvious on my on, on my speech you know what i mean sure, I, don't, sure. I i'm never saying capitalism is bad or materialism is bad what i'm saying is let's be more conscious about it let's choose what we why let's choose how we do it how we um let's think more about what it does to the world, what, what what we're doing to the world, how the objects that we're related to uh, affect our community, like all those things that we need to think. But of course, I'm not saying let's go, but let's let's go to communism. I'm saying let's go, let's move on to a better capitalism. Right, right. Those those games that I um, that I judge, like Monopoly or Game of Life, that are uh, competitive capitalistic uh, games, I am maybe against them, and I would suggest. To make them better, so that's the the third the third uh, room of the gallery. Mm -hmm. Just that, like the proposal of the new games, like how would these new board games be? So that's when I designed all the board games that were flowing into a little heart, but reflecting that those invented board games where our objectives are not me me me, like be, me becoming rich or me becoming blessed or me be so just being like having collective goals and trying to make. Uh, what's best for everyone and not what's best for ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was really struck. You mentioned the third room in the gallery. As we progressed through the gallery, it's it was all gold and silver and beautiful, fancy, shiny objects. And then as we progressed to the back of the gallery, there was a game that was all like plastic and uh, discarded plastic containers and whatnot. And that like really, I found that to be really powerful. It, it moved me because I... Personally, I'm really again. I'm, I'm pushing to you know we need to eliminate plastic bags and we need to eliminate plastic straws and just in general the the petroleum plastics need to go away. And you kind of embraced that and said, look, this is this is a creation of all of this discarded junk. I think it's less obvious to see that discarded junk, if you will, in the shiny objects because they're shiny and you arrange them in a way that's just brilliantly beautiful. Versus, wow, here's a bunch of discarded plastic containers and things that we've used and thrown away. To create something that was still beautiful, but it was obvious. It was much more obvious of this was discarded waste that was now made into an art piece. Yeah. And then let's talk a little briefly about the last piece that you had, which was the uh, hopscotch board. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, can you talk about that? I thought that was beautiful too. So that has a, uh, an interesting story because that piece I made it think I made it while thinking about how hopscotch is played in Argentina. And in okay. Argentina, you go on the floor and you put the the earth or the earth on the bottom and then the sky on the top and all the numbers okay. in between. Okay. So I had done like five years ago uh, an installation in Cordoba in Argentina that was called Stairway to Heaven, and it was a stairs uh, going to a huge cloud, and, and it was a progression from the stairs from bottom to top, where the materials were brown and broken and old, to uh, ma moving on to mass consumption and then to luxury. So it mm -hmm. was like an uh, American dream social ascent thing. Sure. And this such thing was exactly the opposite. I yeah. had, It was the inverted American dream, how I called it. So. It was going from opulence as the earth to um, ascetism as the um, heaven. Right. So it was a preachy, but also a bit true in a way. That's totally uh, true, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I thought it was a good piece to like close the exhibition. So it's the last, it's the last piece. Sure, absolutely. And the top of being all of the earthen objects that you had and the, the wood and the leather and whatnot and yeah. versus the materialism of the bright, shiny metal objects at the bottom, and which is yeah. which is the inverted American dream. And I think it's I think it's true. And it, it might be a uh, a truer, more fulfilling kind of experience to, to try to achieve that sort of thing than just go after the materialism. I, I wouldn't say it's Maybe it's 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 hard to achieve, but it's nice to think about it and nice to at least aim at it, and then see what happens. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure, absolutely. <laughs> Let me ask you this: Why why do you think we should care about art as people who ex experience it? Honestly, I have no idea. I I know <laughs> that I like it. I know that I'm, it makes me feel things and see things, and it changes something inside of me. But I think each artistic experience is very different from one person to another mm -hmm. and I even in my work that I do it with an intention and a concept and a feeling and whatever maybe people the viewers interpret it in a completely different way and I still think that's very valuable yeah. and interesting and I don't know I think it, it spices life a bit uh, it's, it, it adds flavor to life but I I have no idea what it is, how to define it, uh, what will it evolve into. Um, it's a very, very, very strange field. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. But it's mysterious and it's impossible to grasp or to understand completely. And as I had been surrounded by a very mathematical surrounding for many years, so that's what attracted me about art. It's uncertainty and uh, impossibility to define. Is that you're coming from an analytical brain and then you switched over to a creative brain? It's uh, like yeah. hammering it. So like <laughs> <laughs> Your art in, the, in that exhibition had a theme throughout and as a collection of pieces, it, it was very succinct in that they all sort of tied together. But each piece as an individual was brilliant and beautiful and could hang in someone's home as an individual piece, uh, which also makes it fantastic. As an artist, when you, like, you move to Madrid, do you do series? Like, is that your, your kind of your, I don't know what to say, like your thing where, okay, I'm going to create a series where you have a concept in mind and then you sort of build around that concept to create multiple pieces. Is that kind of your workflow? 
usually I, I investigated many things at the same time, but when I came to Madrid or when I have to plan an exhibition, I need to like define a certain subject that I'm going to talk about and a certain, like what, what is it going to be? What are the pieces that are going to uh, integrate that, that exhibition? And I had several possibilities for this exhibition in Madrid and I chose this one. Uh, and and then I start to like uh, give shape to each of those of those pieces. You said you had possibilities for several exhibitions. What do you, what do you mean? No, for when I came to Madrid, I wanted to do an exhibition, but okay. I had many options, like many themes that I wanted to work with, and I oh, had I already developed those themes and had uh, the possible pieces that would integrate those different exhibition options. Gotcha. But then Did I chose you, exhibition option. You, you chose this particular one. Did you yeah. find Apa Gallery before you went to Madrid, or did you go to Madrid first and then start looking around for galleries? Well, I came to Madrid and I didn't know anyone. I didn't know galleries. I didn't know the art scene there. So it was a big, uh, it was a lot, a lot of learning, and it was hard at first because I was coming from Argentina, where the, I already know knew the galleries. I had my gallery there. I knew many artists. I understood perfectly well the art world. People in the art world knew me. Like it was a lot easier and then coming here and starting again from scratch was a bit hard but I, I found APA Gallery through um, I had exhibited here in, in, in Madrid in a fair in February and I met them okay. there and they proposed the exhibition so everything was very uh, free-flowing uh, smooth <laughs> <laughs> was smooth well, that's, that's yeah. great to hear from an artist or from a for an aspiring artist you know yeah. like your story of I didn't know anybody and you had some work in a show that the gallery saw and liked and said, hey, we'd like to show your work, which I think is fantastic. And it says a lot about the quality of your work and how amazing it is. What do you personally hope to give the world as an artist? This sounds really bad in, 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 in the art world, but entertaining. Like I think my art is entertaining in the finding and searching and reacting to the different brands and objects and things and all those memories that come up. That's one of the things that I seek also, but mainly uh, uh, an aesthetic pleasure also. You can see in my work that that's obviously one of the things that I pursue. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, but mainly the, the thing that I would seek the most to show, to to, to provoke is thought. Thought. Um, they're definitely thought-provoking, your pieces, for sure. And in and, and the work that I saw, it is, they're beautiful. And taken as an individual piece, I could just enjoy it for the pure aesthetic beauty of it and this is what also what i like about art too is if just seeing a piece and not knowing any of the story behind it or any of the artist statement behind it you either like it or you don't and then you you have that opportunity some artists want you to dig deeper and learn like what is the story of this piece or how did this piece come to be or what's the deeper meaning behind this piece and for me like your work it it like i said it's kind of a total mind frick in that it there is a really deep psychosociological meaning behind the piece that you create and uh, and like it just talking about materialism and talking about just the game of life not the game of life but the game of life you know what i mean like just talking about these different things are you familiar with the the picture books that we have in america called where's waldo yep do you have anything like that in your artwork that you put like there's a little like where's elisa like a little piece that you uh, put in every every piece I usually um, hide my signature somewhere in the piece, uh, okay. and I and I put it with um, keyboard letters or Scrabble letters or okay. Whatever. 
And also I, I've had friends who play this game via WhatsApp. So they send one of the pictures of my work to the WhatsApp group and they say, I spy or I see a little, I don't know, pink unicorn. And the first one who finds it has to like <laughs> picture and resend it. So, and they play that game. So it's, it's fun. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's really cool. There's <laughs> many layers to the work. <laughs> oh, absolutely. There are totally many layers. The work that we're talking about, unfortunately, is no longer up, but we will have links on our on our on our webpage, and we'll have images on our webpage so people can see it. But um, let's talk a little bit more about becoming a professional artist. Uh, yeah. What do you What do you think holds most people back from doing something like what you did? You had a career that started not in the art world at all. And then you made a transition and you became a professional artist. What do you think holds people back from doing that? I think there's the psychological part of it that when you do art, you put so much of your personality and your ego and your emotions and many interior things out there for people to evaluate and judge and say, yeah, I like it, I don't like it. Uh, it does something to me, it doesn't do anything to me, I hate it. Uh, it's, it's, it's very uh, putting yourself in a very vulnerable place. Yeah. So that can be really scary. And also, it can make you a bit unstable because it's a very uncertain and unstable life. So that's very scary at some point. And then, on the other hand, the economic part of it is also very uh, scary, I think. But... I didn't have a chance to say no. Like I, I really like this, and I, I could, I don't think I could live without creating. And I, if you can find a way to keep on creating and not having to live from your work, it can be perfect. Like you, I don't think you, if you like art, you don't need to live from your art, from mm -hmm. making from it. But uh, you need to keep doing it, or just yeah. like, yeah, <laughs> keep creating. Sure, keep creating art. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a common theme that I hear a lot of the artists that I interview talk about is, is if you love art, just keep creating it. Actually, yeah, the, the idea of the artist should always be creating art. I, I'm a photographer by trade or I, you know, I've worked as a professional photographer for many years and I had gone through a period of time where I was not really shooting and I wasn't picking up my camera. And a friend of mine at the time said, are you a photographer? And I was like, yeah, uh, yeah, of course. And they're like, when was the last time you took a picture? For, for the love of taking a picture. And this was before smartphones, before we had a camera in our hand. And I was just like, wow, you're totally right. Like if I'm a photographer, I should just be taking pictures, not even for a job or whatever, just take pictures of stuff around me and, and capture the world. And so I think like with an artist, that is true. Just keep creating art. And whether or not it's for sale or not, or you're going to become famous or not, or even have a career at it, if you want to be an artist, keep creating art. Would you say it's true? Exactly, yep. Yeah. And and one of the best advice that I had when I was very young and I was getting started, I read somewhere that do the best work that you, that you can and put it out there where people can see it. So. That's good. I like that. Do the best work that you can and put it out there for people to see it. Yeah, you kind of have to release it because you're right. It is very vulnerable. You put your heart and soul and blood, sweat and tears into something and send it out there and people may not like it or they'll ridicule it or whatever. Or maybe ignore it, which can be even worse than hate. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's totally true. Uh, ignore, being ignored is not but Yeah, you need to develop a very strong personality and, and very, like, try to, to leave all that stuff uh, 
separate from you, like detached from all those things. But it's hard. It is hard. I mean, starting this podcast, like I had a magazine and I like doing the interviews. So I started the podcast and it's, it's the same kind of thing of like, I put it out there. I, I don't know what people listen to it or not. You know, I do because there's metrics we can look online and see, but it's like, are they going to like what I'm asking? The interview that I'm doing, the people that I'm interviewing, I, but you know, I just have to release it into the world. Uh, what's what, what's one piece of advice that you'd give to someone who's starting out as an artist? To stay curious and try to like, read and go to exhibitions and look at art and also look at many other things like if you're into biology or cooking or whatever just like also go into that because you never know how it's gonna like nurture your work and connect the dots but yeah i would tell them to to keep uh eyes open and curiosity awake oh i like that yeah yeah for sure for sure what's one thing that you love to do outside of the art world then uh, good question. I like to swim. Okay. <laughs> I like to draw, but that's not outside of the art world. But I, sometimes I do it for myself and not for like doing artwork. Sure. I like to watch films very, very much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, read. I like. Uh, I like fashion also, which is. I, I used to be ashamed of liking fashion, but now I'm getting. Um, <laughs> Uh, accepting it and I also here in Madrid I took a fashion design course that okay. was focused on upcycling material in fashion oh, wow. so it was quite interesting but it's something that I that I still keep for myself <laughs> and you might uh, do you think you might in integrate fashion into your work sometime down the road who knows maybe I'll do <laughs> I can with fabric with discarded fabric or maybe I can do uh, costumes with plastic objects I, I have no idea but sure. I'd like to and just start investing to like open new doors and see what comes, what happens. Yeah, I'm, I met an artist uh, a few years ago who took discarded fashions, uh, mostly like dresses and kind of high end, mm -hmm. higher end fashions, and then she would uh, paint on them, like adhere them to a canvas or a background, and which was beautiful in itself, and then she'd paint over top of it and create like this multi-dimensional piece and also very thought-provoking because you took this amazing fashion piece and cut it and pretty much destroyed it but then you turned it into something she turned it into something brand new with the uh, with adding the paint and whatnot on it so there's all kinds of options i guess yeah <laughs> so you're still rather young artist uh you're up and coming and um but i wanted to ask you if you had 60 seconds with with young Elisa in college, 20 years old or whatever, who's studying economics, if you had 60 seconds with her to give her a piece of advice, what would you say? I would say that everything, everything's going to work out and to, like, chill. <laughs> to um, chill? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what, what I would say to her, to be honest. <laughs> to Just chill to, is good. Everything's going to work out is also very good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. To trust whatever the world has to bring to you. <laughs> so you did an exhibition in Madrid. You've been there for a year now, um, and you you talked, I think, before we started recording about what's up and coming. So let's talk a little bit about what's next. What do you have next planned? Now in September, I'm going to exhibit in Madrid and in Caracas on Parallel. So it's the same gallery that's going to have the same, not the same show, but the same theme with the same okay. artists, different, different artworks in the in both cities. It's a gallery from Caracas, Venezuela. And I think it's going to be interesting. And then in October, I'm going to exhibiting, be exhibiting in London in the other art fair. That's it's an art fair organized by Sachi Art. Okay. Uh, the first week of October. And then 
at the end of the year, in December, I'm going to be exhibiting in Paris. So that's the agenda. And then maybe I might go back to Argentina because I really miss it. So I might go for two or three months to to work there and 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 leave some pieces to exhibit there in March. Okay, cool. Um, so you've yeah. got stuff lined up for the rest of this year. Let me ask you, yeah. how did you get the dual exhibition gig? How did you come about getting these gigs? When I had just arrived in Madrid, uh, a girl I knew from Buenos Aires who is in the art world and she organizes art, art residencies in Argentina and in Spain. Mm -hmm. uh, she introduced me to some people and she uh, introduced me to a gallery that had me exhibit. It's called um, uh, Rizoma and that gallery took me to exhibit in a fair called Hybrid Art Fair, which is like a bit underground here in Madrid, but it's very, very strong and gaining a lot of uh, public and it's, it's a really interesting fair. And so I exhibited there and I got into, in contact with the organizers of the, of the fair. Okay. And those organizers connected me with a lot of galleries and museums. So that's how I met the Venezuela Gallery, which is a really good gallery with a beautiful space here in Madrid. And okay. um, the, the people who work there are really, really nice. And the artists that they have, I really like them. So it's a, a very good option. It's going to be interesting. And okay. this, this show in September, it's eight artists uh, who work with pop art and the, I don't know the um, the title of the exhibition yet because they haven't <laughs> told me. Okay. But it's about capitalism and self destruction and what they said uh, was um, a critique, but um, how do you say hypocritical critique to capitalism. Okay. okay. Uh, so it was I think very interesting. So we'll see how it how it turns out. And I'm gonna do a big installation there here in Madrid in this gallery. And it's what gonna is the name be of the gallery? The gallery okay. is called uh, Cercuone Projects. It's like C-E-R-Q-U-E, Cercuone Projects. Okay. And I'm going to build a big spider web uh, on one wall. It's going to be three by three meters, and it's going to be made all with um, gummy bears and, like, candies and all these things. So it's, oh, wow. It started as the the capitalist trap that we built for ourselves that we sure. like and we cannot leave. So okay. we're builders and the victims of that this trap, this spider yeah, web. For sure. Um, and and it all and can be also uh, used as a metaphor for many different things that we hate and like. And yeah, hate and like, and we yeah. just dislike, but we cannot leave, and all those different things that kind of apply to that to that concept. So right, it's gonna, I think right. it's going to be cool. Yeah, it sounds cool. It sounds very cool. I was looking at my notes here. The previous podcast, uh, the interview that I did with uh, Sprock Brior, uh, he's also in an exhibition in September, so I wanted to see, but different group, different gallery. <laughs> so I wanted to go back and reference those notes. But yeah, and you said that Spock is a good friend of yours. So yeah. the the interview that I did in Madrid, the previous podcast, uh, was with a street artist, graffiti artist, and you are more of a gallerist. Would you say you're a gallerist type of artist? Um, yeah, and what I really liked about where I really liked about um, Felix's work is that he's really good as a street artist, and he's really good with his gallery work. Uh -huh. And I don't think many artists can can handle that duality that well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he respects his work. Yeah, and I haven't I haven't 
tried myself working on the streets, but as something I really, really, really want to try. But I haven't been offered by anyone to paint a wall because they don't know it. <laughs> I, I could paint a wall. Really, really interested in, in, in trying and in, in getting into that world. You're, and it has you're, a different philosophy from the gallery world. Yeah, so I, I like that too. It's a bit more open and more free and less judgmental and more, um, yeah, more free, I think. So uh, the Monopoly piece, let's, yeah. that's a wall piece uh, and it's in a giant silver frame, if I remember correctly. It's in a giant frame and it's pretty big. I don't remember. Do you know how big it is? It's one, 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 by one, one meter by one meter. Okay, so it's about three and a half feet square, something like that. <laughs> For those in America, I know why we're not on the metric system. I don't know, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a it's a pretty large piece, and it's all objects that you found and glued into a pattern to create the Monopoly board. Would you do that same thing if someone gave you a wall outside and said, "Here's a wall for you to create on"? Would you glue? Would you kind of do the same thing and do a found object sort of glued piece? I think I could. Yeah, I've never tried to work on wall directly, yeah. but I think like on a it, I would have to change possibly the different adhesives that I use for a different surface. But yeah, I think it could be done. Yeah, <laughs> cool. Well, let's hope you get a wall. <laughs> That'd be really cool. That'd be very cool. So you have a you have an exhibition that you are going to be in in September, another one in October, and then in London in the end of the year is that December are you going to go to London or is it just going to be your work that's going to be there I'm going to go I You're haven't go. how I'm going to go I'm going to fly <laughs> or I'm going to take the pieces myself driving or what I'm going to do but I'm going to be there yeah. okay so you're are your pieces you're creating here and are you're there in Madrid now and so yeah. okay yeah. anything else that you'd like to share it's been great chatting with you about your art and just learning um, it's really cool to connect with artists from all over the world and to see artwork all over the world and for me to be able to share those stories with others who are interested in art and who are interested in exploring the art world. But for you, any other pieces of advice or any other thoughts that you have that you'd like to share with the Crave audience? I, no, I would just tell them to go on my website and uh, take a look at my work if they, if they like to see a bit more and to get out there and see more art and consume more art and just enjoy it. Oh, that's Consume more art. It's another. That's another great thing. Yeah, Consume more I chose a, 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 a weird word, but yeah, when you listen to music, you consume music. That's sure. No, it. It. I think it's very fitting. I think it's super fitting. Yeah. One last question: What gets you out of the bed in the morning? Coffee, and <laughs> <laughs> and the idea that there's one work that needs to be done and needs to see the world and. I should be the one doing it. Oh, I like that. That's great. Yeah. That's great. I did an art critique with Ernesto Ballesteros, which is a very good Argentine artist, and he's also really interesting as a person. And he once said to uh, to a group of of younger younger artists that we should be trying to do that one piece of art that we were made to do, like the 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 thing that we came to Earth to do. And I don't think I've, I, I've already I've already done that piece, but it's you, fun to wake up in the morning and try to find which piece it is. What's going to happen when you create a piece and you sit back and you said, "Yep, that's the piece I was meant to do." I'm gonna either die or go to the sea and swim. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. Live in a hut and swim every day. <laughs> that's great. I'm done. 
I'm just yeah. going to go hang out on the beach. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Check. So how, so how people can get a hold of you. I know you have a website. It's alisainsua.com. Yeah. And uh, I'll have a link to that as, on our page, on the show notes. And as well as on the social media, uh, I haven't even looked, but I'm sure that you come up. Your name, especially here in America, is pretty unique. Yeah. And I do have my Instagram account, which is at Elisa Insua, which is I'm very, very active there, so it's a good okay. way to follow my work, what I'm working on, my ideas, inspiration, sketches, whatever. Okay, so Instagram is the place to go to check out your work, your most current work. So, yeah, and I Googled Alisa Insua, and uh, you come up all over Google. Alisa, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know it took us a little bit to get together and to connect and make this happen, but I appreciate you sitting down taking the time to chat with me about your art and your career and your work in the, in the, art, in the art industry. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Certainly. Thank you for your time also. And I hopefully you pop into my work someplace else on the globe. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Bye. The music for this episode of the Crave Podcast is South American Sensation and current top of Elisa's playlist, Bajafondo Tango Club. The song is Sabelo. Check them out on Spotify, iTunes, Pandora, wherever you listen to your music. Once again, that's Bajofondo Tango Club. Thank you for listening to the Crave Magazine Podcast. I am Jim Wills, your host and producer for this episode, and I am on a mission to bring art back to the world. With your help, we can make that happen, so please take a moment to leave a positive review for us on iTunes, and if you like what you heard, even more importantly, tell your friends. If there's something that we can do better, by all means, let us know, and if you are an artist or even just want to hear from a favorite artist, well, send us a message. We are putting this show out for all of us who love and appreciate the arts, so tell us how we can improve. Remember... Always be good to one another, and of course, take time to feed your soul with art.